0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton Podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst, and I'm your host for the show, and one of the pastors at Life Church. And thank you so much for being with us and, uh, and listening into this new series that we have started called "He Shall Be Called." And uh, we are taking that from the Book of Isaiah, where Isaiah speaks prophetically about the different names of Jesus and who God is in Jesus. And so, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, This message from Pastor Nathan, our lead pastor. Also want to invite you to subscribe to this podcast if you have not yet done so. And if you'd like to give to the work of Life Church, the the work that we get to be a part of to impact our community and ultimately the kingdom of God, I want to invite you to to consider doing that. You can go to our webpage, uh, lifechurchcanton.org slash give. And any amount is helpful if you'd like to give uh, consistently, uh, monthly, weekly, we, we appreciate your generosity. I'm going to let you know something about this sermon that you're going to hear, uh, because you're, you're not going to be able to see something. Uh, at some point, Nathan brings out a stump and a blowtorch, and an axe, actually. Uh, he does a pretty good job of describing uh, what you won't be able to see, but that's all the hints I'm going to give you for now. Uh, it was a powerful image, powerful imagery, for for what he talks about. But as we enter into this Christmas season, this is just a a powerful and appropriate, timely message um, for all the things that we're going through. So I hope you enjoy. And without further ado, here is Pastor Nathan with He Shall Be Called Wonderful Counselor.
1: We look forward to what you're going to do and how you're moving in the midst of us. But God, we also look back to the arrival of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. We trust you, God. We trust that you have a plan for our life. We trust that you have something you want to take us through. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can have a seat. I hope that you are anticipating what's coming next, anticipating the arrival of Jesus Christ. And I hope that that feeling grows inside of you. Many of us have lost that feeling, haven't we? We've lost that ability to connect to what's coming next, maybe lost the Christmas spirit. What I want for us today, what I want for every single one of us through this series online and in person, is for hope to rise in our hearts, for hope to rise up. Hope is powerful. Hope is something that's crucial to who we are. And without hope, people suffer. One uh, Christian writer, Lewis, said this. Lewis Mead said this. Hope is to our spirits what oxygen is to our lungs. You breathe that in. (laughs) Lose hope and you die. They may not bury you for a while, but without hope, you are dead inside. The only way to face the future is to fly straight into it on the wings of hope. Hope is the energy of the soul. Hope is the power of tomorrow. And I'll get to a definition of hope in a second, but I want you to know, if it's your first time here, you've been here a lot of times, if you're in the room or online, I want hope to rise up in you. But there's a difference between hope And optimism, what do I mean? Well, optimism is an attitude that chooses to see circumstances working out for the best. Optimism is a good thing. That odds are things are going to get better. You know, have you heard it explained this way between like a glass of water? The glass of water is either half empty or half full. Or if you're an engineer, you say the glass is twice as big as it needs to be. No? Okay, I thought that was funny. That was pretty good. You know, you're either an optimist or a pessimist. Or what many pessimists will say is, oh, I'm neither, I'm a realist. No, you're a closet pessimist. That's what you are. But that is the idea that circumstances are in our favor, that odds are things will work out. And in fact, we spend so much of our energy looking at whether things will work out or not. I talked to someone this week and they said, I've been through a lot of things in my life, some of which actually happened. This idea of worry and anticipation, we're, we're stuck on it. Whether you're a pessimist or an, an optimist, maybe you're one of those hopeless optimists, that's not actually what I'm talking about. That is human hope, optimism, human hope. But often we have confused our call, as those who know God, to hope in the Lord as a call to be optimistic, optimistic about our circumstances, meaning often you'll be in church and be like, God is going to work things out for your good. And and, and we can sometimes, it's it's true, but sometimes we can shift that to saying my circumstances are going to be better. And that's what it means to hope in the Lord. And there's a subtle difference that's kind of crucial for us to understand. And when our circumstances don't seem to be getting any better, which is like 2020 in a nutshell, what then are we left with? We lose our hope. But what I'd argue is we didn't actually have biblical hope, hope in the Lord. We actually just had optimism. And of course you're going to lose optimism if everything seems like it's falling apart. There's a difference between hope and optimism, and there's a great Advent series from the Bible Project. I'll talk to you about it at the end in one of our action steps that talks about this difference if you want to spend some more time on it. But I want to talk about a time when things couldn't have looked any worse for Israel, which is God's people, a prophet, Isaiah. In fact, his job was to tell them that everything was about to go south. And uh, he refers to it as this metaphor, this image of Israel being this beautiful, amazing tree. This tree that gave shelter to so much and produced. And all of a sudden, what's going to happen is God's going to allow people to come in and chop that tree down. Reduce it to a stump. To destroy their world. To destroy everything in their life. That only like a remnant of people would be left. Only 10% of all the people would be left. This destruction at a huge scale. And he uses this imagery of, of all that being left as this stump in a field, not much left. Have you ever had... <laughs> Something like this happened in your life? Well, let's take a step back. Have you ever chopped down a tree? Anyone in here chopped down a tree before with an ax? Yeah, quite a few of you. Um, I've done it too. I don't know what I was doing, um, but I figured, hey, there's no one else here. It's just me. Um, there's lots of space, and I'm quick. So if it starts to fall, I'll just run, right? Yeah, you can tell that I walk into things with caution. I do not. Maybe I'm more of that optimistic person. But there's something that satisfies of that, oh, that oh, I thunk, right? But the longer you get into it, and if you do it right, you actually can determine which way it falls, and there's a million videos of how that goes poorly. But do you know that noise? Do you guys know that noise I'm talking about, that kuh, that crack, that deep crack when you get close and you realize it's about to go, and then there's a snap and a whoosh and a crash and boom and whoosh, all kinds of stuff. That, that moment is exciting when you're taking the tree down. But imagine that that moment, that shock is actually your life and that crack. And I don't know what that crack was for you, what that moment was where you realized things were falling apart. Maybe it was when you lost your loved ones. Maybe it was a parent or a child. Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was a moment when you lost your job that you spent years trying to get. Maybe that's what happened to you during the pandemic. I don't know what it is. Maybe your faith in government, maybe your, I don't know, maybe a a friendship that you thought you'd have forever is now gone. In our life, often we feel like things fall apart. Maybe it's something you did. Maybe you screwed your life up, and all you have left is a stump. Circumstances don't look really good. So what do we do? When the world comes crashing down, we've lost our wonder. We've lost it. Question, when in your life did things appear the worst? Maybe that's right now, but answer that question. If you're online or in person, you can take a note. When in your life did things get to be the worst? Did it happen? Think about it. Well, things seem like they're the worst for Israel, but they're actually about to get a whole lot Worse. Uh, if you know me, I like fire. Anyone know that? I like fire a lot. Don't worry, we tested it up until the second row. We're okay. You guys, you might be in, in danger, but this is what's called a torch. Um, it's a really technical term for just a, pro, a lot of propane coming out. And, uh, whoo, look at that. Isn't that nice? Anyone else just get really nervous? You're like, oh my god. <laughs> But things are about to get worse. You see, often God takes people out, his people out into the wilderness to refine them. And fire is a refining thing. Now, there's, I love this flame. I seriously could just stop talking and stare at it for a while. But when I was looking for things, they have this little handle and this handle adds propane. So it's, <laughs> it's, uh, <that> was, <laughs> okay, all right. But God, he's taking his people out into the wilderness and taking away all their shelter. And then he's just going gonna to lay the flame on them. He's going to lay the flame on them, and he's going to burn away. And what is he going to burn away? Well, he said in, in Isaiah, I'm going to burn away your injustice. I'm going to burn away your idolatry. I'm going to burn away the ways that you have left me. I'm going to use this time to refine you like fire. And maybe that's what your life is like. Not only has it fallen apart, you're just kind of getting, you're getting flamed up all the time, and things aren't going well, and, and God, he's, he's burning away some things in you. He's burning away your pride. He's burning away your confidence. Maybe he's taking away all the things you relied on with finances, and he is just slowly burning it all away. Anyone feel like this? Anyone feel like the worst thing about COVID isn't just what's happened, but how I feel and what's happening to me and what's going on? See, often we run away from this fire. We run away from it because it feels bad. Don't you see? My life is a wreck. Why are you putting insult to injury? And the heat just keeps going up and up and up and up. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in this place where we can't take it anymore. We can't do this anymore. We can't. And so we run away. God wasn't done with them, and he's not done with you. When I heard that the vaccine was coming, I had an initial reaction. How about you guys? Now, I'm not talking political, okay? Let's just all assume the vaccine works and there's not microchips in the fluid or whatever, okay? (laughs) Okay? First thing I thought that came out of me was not something I expected. I actually said, God... I know you're doing something in your church. I know you're doing something in your people and you're using this stump, this crashed economy, whatever you want to call it, to do something. But honestly, God, I, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned that, that you'll stop with the refinement process. That with the vaccine coming, that it will stop being refined. And the things that needed to go, that needed to be burned away, the things that needed to go that we'll get a vaccine and we'll go back to business as usual. And I was annoyed with myself because I said to myself, really, the amount of crap that's happened in your life right, because of the COVID and the first thing you think is don't let it stop until we're where we're supposed to be. That's what I thought. Why? Because God is doing something in it. And though our life is a smoldering wreck, a husk of what it could be, we're in the exact place that God wants us to be to do what he wants to do. See, the odds are not in Israel's favor, are they? They're smoldering. They're a husk of what they used to be. And then in Isaiah In Isaiah, we learned that there was a plan. Isaiah 6.13 says this. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will be again be laid to waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be a stump in the land. There is a hope. In Isaiah 11, he tells you what this hope will be. He says there will be a shoot A sprout that will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And what he said is there's hope. Even though it's literally smoking, the life falling apart, there is a tiny shoot, a tiny spot of hope. That's not much hope, is not much hope, this little thing. Not much hope that it's going to grow into anything, much less in the stump that it's in. Optimism is the attitude that things are probably going to get better. But biblical hope is based on a person. And this shoot of Jesse is the foretelling, the prophecy of the coming Messiah, Jesus. The Messiah, the King, the one who will make all things better. And he's saying to Israel, do not lose heart because something is coming, something that will give you hope in the future. See, Israel in this moment, he says to him, Isaiah says to Israel, look back at the promises. Look back at what God has said he will do. Look at it again and again and again. And when you see everything fall apart in your life, there will be a time when he makes good on what he said to King David, that there would be a Messiah. And it gave them the strength to move through utter devastation. And for us, we get to have biblical hope that isn't based on odds, but a choice to wait for God to bring about the future that is surprisingly wonderful, one we've submitted ourselves to. We look back to the birth of Christ as the seed of hope so that we can look forward to what he will do even when your life looks like a burnt husk. Hope is confidence that God will do what he says he will do. Hope is confidence that God will do what he said he can do. But you know what hope produces? Hope means that a wreck of a life, your wreck of a life, can be a seed of hope, but only with Christ. This is the hope I want to rise up in you. Not that things are just going to get better, but that you have someone you rely on. And I need you to hope because I need you to breathe. I need you to breathe. Not like the smoke air, it'll filter out in a second. But to breathe in the oxygen, the hope of the glory of God, the hope that God will do what he said he was going to do. One of my favorite verses is also in Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31. It says, even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who what? I'm sorry, those who what? Hope Hope in the Lord will what? They'll renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Question for you online and in person. Are you ready to renew your strength? I'm sorry, I'm going to say that one more time. Are you ready to renew your strength? That's yes. all about hope. It's all about hope. We have to remind and restore and renew your hope. And that's why Christmas matters so much. Why does Christmas matter so much? Because we're reminding ourselves of the arrival of the infant Jesus. We're reminding ourselves that the shoot, the shoot is here. The sprout, this little, you know, this little weak thing is all of our hope. Christmas is about boasting of what God has done and it gives us the strength to carry on to see what he will do. In Isaiah 6, we see the horror of about what is about to happen. It's just, it's horrible. 10% will be left and then God's gonna refine with fire? This is not great. But in verse nine, Isaiah says this. Verse nine, verse one. Nevertheless, nevertheless, There will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. Nevertheless, God will show up. And then this is the series scripture right here in verse 6. For to us, a child is born. For to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we're gonna focus on who Jesus is to give us hope to get through what is coming. And that's why Christmas matters so much. This morning, I want you to connect to the wonderful counselor, Jesus. Wonderful It means miraculous or causing wonder, extraordinary, making it difficult to comprehend. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's it's that feeling when you see a child make their first snowman, and they're just so excited. And then they're like my children who then immediately destroy it. But we're seeking that wonder out. We want to see it, and sometimes we do it vicariously through our children just to capture that moment of wonder, the first snow, which could also be this last snow of the year, and I'd be fine but I still love it. A miracle of birth. Wonder. Can you imagine someone who was wonderful in all they did? That's Jesus. But not only that, he was the wonderful counselor. This idea of someone who gives advice about problems. Imagine a wonderful counselor it means to advise. I mean, it's simple. We know what this is. It's life coaches and disciples, mentors, mental health professionals. This role is so important in our life. Imagine having a miraculous advice giver, someone who helps us understand what we should do next. Question for you online, and you can put it on or in person. What is the best advice you'd ever received? Or who do you look to to give advice? Like, what's the best advice you ever received? You're like, oh, that was awesome. Who is the person who you always go to for advice? Like, think about those people. Now, imagine that Jesus is even better than that, not only that divine, that he gives perfect advice. That is who Jesus is. We need those people who give us advice in person, but we also need something greater. Now, we need, more good, good, we need good advice more than ever, right? The future is uncertain. And it doesn't feel like anyone is an expert on what comes next because we've never been through it. But we have lots of experts and people who don't know what they're talking about and people who think they do. And there's voices and people are telling us conflicting things and there's voices voices and voices and voices and voices. Ah, what do we do? What do we do with our finances? Do I need to take that package and retire early or not? Or wait a year? Do I need to buy? Do I need to sell? What about my family? Like who do we bring to what? Do we not have Christmas? Do we have it? Do we bring everyone? Do we wear masks? Do we don't? Like, there's all of these things that we don't know. What about school? What am I supposed to do? Should I go to school? Should I wait a year? Should I let my kids go into school? What? What? And everything seems to be smoking. Our whole life seems to be falling apart. And we don't know what to do. Don't worry, that's just not a paper towel. It's a wet paper towel, just in case you're concerned. I'm about to light something on fire. And our life is just smoking mess. On top of that, mental health is taking a huge hit. Mental health is always an important issue, but right now it's worse than ever. And it's been studied that directly connected to COVID things are increasing. That Two out of five residents in the U.S. report struggling with mental or behavioral health issues associated with COVID that because of COVID and this atmosphere that we're in, that we are returning to some things, that we are struggling with some things at an increased rate. And this includes anxiety, depression, increased or going back to substance abuse and suicidal thoughts. And the numbers are greater than ever. So I want to stop for just a moment in the middle of my message and say, if you're struggling with a mental health issue right now, and we love you, we care about you. You should not be ashamed, but you should seek help, that we want to be that help, that we want to be there for you, that we want you to find a trusted advisor, a parent if you're a student or another adult, or come to us as pastors or return to your counselors because some of you have returned to addictions you thought you beat. Some of you had your first panic attack this year, hopefully your last but you didn't know what that was like. Some of you are experiencing depression for the first time. And that can be scary and isolating. And yet I believe that there is hope in Jesus Christ and it comes in community. We're so interested in seeing this epidemic change in our church that we have dedicated ourselves towards training people to recognize and help those with mental health and even to recognize the, the issues in ourselves, that we will continue to do that. And if you're interested, you can be part of that, but we want you to know that you matter. Here's the best advice I can give you, whether you're struggling with any of the things, advice or anything. The best advice that I can give you, the best thing I could do for you, the greatest thing I could ever hope To do as a person, as a pastor, is to connect you to Jesus Christ. I want you to fix your eyes on the wonderful counselor. And if you do, hope will rise. I wonder do you know him as your counselor? Do you know him as your advice giver? The nearest word Hebrew has to the idea of supernatural is this word wonderful bringing wisdom far above the human ability. It's divine. God has given us perfect hope, and Jesus gives perfect advice. And so I want to connect you to him. The only one who knows the future is Jesus. No one knew what was going to happen in 2020. I bet you all the money I have, no one knew that that was going to happen. But Jesus did any advice for us in the midst of it. And so I hope that you will allow hope to rise by fixing your eyes on hope. He has given you the ability to know him. And though your life might be an absolute wreck, sometimes you feel like it's on fire though you've heard that death knell, that crack in your life and everything seems to have fallen apart and God is taking you through this and refining you to understand what's happening and you look at it and everything on the outside says there's no way and yet there is a small shoot of hope in the root of Jesse and that person's name is Jesus. We gotta fix our eyes on him if we want hope to rise. I have some action steps for you, some things... I want you to do as we finish out some things that will help you fix your eyes on Jesus. And the first one is to celebrate Jesus's birth like crazy. I mean that. Like, get nuts about it. Like, go crazy. Make the biggest deal of this little plant ever. Just be like, oh my gosh, isn't that so awesome? This is so amazing. People are like, dude, it's a baby. What are you doing? Like, no, this means everything. It's hope. It's a future. It's a promise of God. I want you to celebrate like crazy. That means those of you who hate giving gifts because you think it's dumb, I want you to give gifts because Jesus gave us the biggest gift of all. And train your mind to see that if you're a person who's like, I love giving gifts because I love being the person who gives gifts. You know, maybe you don't give gifts this year. <laughs> maybe you focus on something different. You get crazy about it. Why? Because it is hope, and hope is what keeps us going and gives us the strength. It gives glory to God. So I want you to celebrate like crazy I want you to watch our online Christmas experience. We're creating a 30-minute experience that will go live on Christmas Eve, but it's something for you to do with your family. In fact, I want you to already decide when you're going to, as a family, participate with us in Christmas. We'll do a Christmas Eve candlelight service. and will be completely different in person, but online, we wanted this experience. I want you to choose to do that. Second, I actually want you to share that. I want you to share that with other people. We're gonna use it as an opportunity to invite people to church, to invite people to experience this hope. We designed it that way. It's gonna be great. So I'm encouraging you to share it on every part of social media you can, as well as the Bible Project Advent series that's out right now. They keep releasing all the way up to Christmas. It's incredible, Bible Project. You can go and find it, hear more about hope and optimism, but draw yourself into Christmas. Some of us gotta shake some things off so that we can have hope in what is happening. And then you're like, I need more, man. Tonight, the Gospel Coalition is having an Advent concert on YouTube at 8 p.m., but it'll be there for all the rest of the month if you want to. Set your minds on Jesus. As we do that, we need to fix our eyes on hope by meeting the wonderful counselor in the text. In the word of God. I ran through a lot of Isaiah today and there was so much study that went into it and I couldn't even tell you just a bit of it, but you can go and find it for yourself. Not only that, you can find the counsel of God in the word of God. So read the gospel of John this month. It's about the love of God for you. Look to the word of God before making decisions. Don't make decisions and then look to the word of God to justify what you have done. Instead, seek him out. You know, Jesus spoke in parables. He actually said to people, I speak in parables, but I'll tell you plainly. Why did he do that? Because Jesus was interested in taking people on a mental journey to the answer that would help them discover who he is and how good he is. He didn't want to just give them the answer so they can plug, play, and move on with their life. And the Bible, we want to go to it and find these little answers just so we don't have to process or think through it. And some of us come to it with a, a genuine understanding. But Jesus wants to take us on a journey that often gives us the peace we are seeking outside of the decision. And if we were just to get the decision, we wouldn't have the hope. Fix your eyes on the wonderful counselor in the text. And as you learn to recognize his voice, his voice will speak when your life is a wreck. So celebrate Jesus's birth like crazy. Tell me about it. Tell me a story about how crazy you made it, because I think it's great. Meet the wonderful counselor in the text. And then third, seek mental help and support. There's no shame in it. If you're struggling, seek support in your small group. Seek support with people you trust. If you have an accountability partner that you've had victory for years but you've fallen, don't lie to them. Tell them. Tell them, I need help. It is statistically true that watching online and in the room, there are two out of five of us are struggling more so than ever before with mental health. So we must love and take care of each other. There's healing in the body of Christ. Reach out. I want to tell you one more Illustration, one more story. I was watching um, videos online, wasting my life like most of us do. But I, I found this one exhibition. It was a tactical training, and it was between a soldier and his German shepherd. And I love dogs. I want a I dog for Christmas, not a hippopotamus. I want a dog for Christmas. It's not going to happen. But I loved watching this exhibition. Now imagine they're in this like sty- like like fake grass area, and they're surrounded by tons of people shouting and oohing and aahing, there's pictures and and it's loud and crowded and and they're doing this exhibition and the soldier has worked with this dog so well that the dog follows him wherever he moves, now there's no leads, there's no collars, there's no nothing and the dog is actually in between his legs And, and he's got a tactical position and he has a gun and he's moving around and he moves back and forth and he actually just turns and goes the other direction and the entire time the dog stays with him, so much so it looks like they're one thing, one person I'm just like, I can't stop watching this. And what it's for is so that they can go into a building and clear the building. They can go into danger. They can go into a place where they could be killed, but work as a team. And the soldier's in charge. And I was fascinated. I'm watching the dog. I'm watching the dog because there's all these distractions. There's all these things Asking for his attention. There's kids running out. And, you know, have you ever watched one of those dog shows with the dog shows that run through a ra- race that's terrible at what he does and, like, just gets distracted by everything or just goes and, and goes to the bathroom, like, you know, like in the middle of it? I'm like, this dog has got to be so incredibly focused. Not only that, man, there's danger. The soldiers got a gun for a reason. There's danger. They're training for danger. And all of a sudden, I just got crushed. Because I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a perfect picture of who we're supposed to be. Because where were the dog's eyes? Where were the dog's eyes? He's right between his legs and he's just looking up, straight up, moving back, forth, not looking around, not distracted, full of trust. Full of hope in what's coming next, not concerned. And isn't that who we're supposed to be? We're we're supposed to be fixed on Jesus, and there's all these people asking for all of our attention, and there's distraction and, and there's no there's problems in the world and there's dangers, and yet I am not concerned about any of those things. I am fixed on my Savior Jesus. My eyes are fixed, and I can dance with him, and I can be full of comfort and full of trust. And still I'm doing a job too, which I love that. I got something to do. That is what it means to fix our eyes on hope. To not worry about threats, but focus on him. But most of us, we're like that big, huge St. Bernard on a leash attached to a 12-year-old child who's a cool 75 pounds. Getting yanked. We want to be like that dog. Pulling our Savior wherever we want to go. More often than not, we're not that dog. We're actually not moving Jesus anywhere. <laughs> and so we just strain and strain and strain, looking for where we want to go next and trying to find all these paths. And sometimes we have to get pulled back. But the entire time, even though we may be going in the exact direction God wants us to go, we're straining in our car and we're just like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I had a dog who used to choke itself. And often that's who we are. We're choking ourselves all we need to do is be like that dog who's just fixed on Jesus, and I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get there overnight, but maybe you can heal, and you can walk by him, and learn to trust him, and learn to see that he knows what's coming next, and you can enjoy the ride. You can enjoy this communion with God. That's what it means to fix our eyes on Jesus. We can look for the world to provide our optimism or we can look at our life which might be a hot mess smoldering and moldering and falling apart and choose to see that the same Jesus who came as a baby in a tiny little shoot is the same Jesus who wants to do the same thing in your life who wants to give you hope and give you a future and use you, but during which, during the ride, your eyes can be fixed on Him and you can have hope. I couldn't want anything else for any of you than to have hope. And I want it to rise in you. So take those steps, move forward. But there's one step, one thing that all of us must do. And it's to place our hope in Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to ask some people to do that who maybe never done it in the first place or realized, man, I didn't know what this meant, but now I do. And you need to commit your life or recommit your life to Jesus today, online or in person or, or you're listening to this later. It's time. It's time to do that. And don't let that crack, that falling tree be the death knell of your life, but the starting place which God can take you to places you've never been. Will you stand with me as we stand in hope? As we stand in what God has for us, prepare your hearts online. We're going to worship God, but first, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. Even if you're at home, like just put yourself in that moment. The word of God says that our position physically often matters. If you can't stand, that's okay. Just put your heart in that position. I'm going to ask those who want to follow Jesus with their life to do so now by talking to him. He is with you. The words of Isaiah would say, Nevertheless, nevertheless, we will have hope. So Pray something like this out loud or in your heart. Make it your own, but talk to God. Say, God, my, I need rescued. My life is, is a mess. Or it's been a mess. And I know that there's nothing that will change that. I know that I need hope. And I believe that Jesus came to give me hope. Not to stay a baby, but to grow. Show us what it meant to be human. Die, pay for my sins, and then rise again so that I may have hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame. So God, I pray in this very moment that I would follow you the rest of my days. I pray that you would allow me to fix my eyes on you, to give me a new life, a new shot, a new moment. I will follow you the rest of my day.